confess our faith concerning the payment and the power of Christ for our sins and his death on the cross. If you turn in the back of your songbooks to page 878, we're continuing our study of the ancient creed, which is a summary of the Bible's teaching. The Apostles' Creed, we've looked at the fact that Christ suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified. And we asked, is it signify or significant that he was crucified instead of dying some other way? Yes, by this death, I'm convinced that he shouldered the curse that lay on me. Since death by crucifixion was cursed by God, we looked at last Sunday, now we come to his death and burial. And then next week, Lord willing, his descent into hell. Page 878 in the back of your songbooks. Question 40, why did Christ have to suffer death? Why did he have to go all the way to death? Because God's justice and truth require it. Nothing else could pay for our sins except the death of the Son of God. Why was he buried? His burial testifies that he really died. Since Christ has died for us, why do we still have to die? Well, our death is not a payment for our sins, but only a dying to sins and an entering into eternal life. What further benefit do we receive from Christ's sacrifice and death on the cross? By his power, our old man is crucified and put to death and buried with him, so that the evil desires of the flesh may no longer rule us, but that instead we may offer ourselves as a sacrifice of thanksgiving to him. And then let's turn in our Bibles to 1 Peter 2, 24 and 25, page 1204, 1204 in your pew Bibles right at the end of the chapter. First Peter 2, 24 and 25. 24 and 25. He, Christ himself, bore our sins and his body on the tree that we might die to sin and live to righteousness by his wounds you have been healed. For you were straying like sheep, but have now returned to the shepherd and overseer of your souls. This, this is the word of the Lord. and May he bless us by this good word. People of God, the good news is very great. And it's greater, perhaps, than we realize. The good news is about payment and power. And we read those two words, didn't we? Did you see that? Only the death of, son, of the Son of God could pay for our sins. And then 43 said, what further advantage do we receive from his death? By his power. 
We put our sins to death. They're buried. And we live the new life. The gospel is a matter of payment and power. Christ paying for our sin with his death on the cross, but also overpowering our sin through his death on the cross. And in North American evangelical Christianity, we tend to get the first half. Payment. I receive forgiveness. I receive righteousness. And we tend to forget the second half. And I receive power to live the new life. And so we tend toward what's called an antinomian Christianity where we focus on forgiveness only and it's a blessed focus. But there's another side to the gospel. Forgiveness only and they say, but you can live as you please because you're forgiven. Oh no. Oh no. Those who believe embrace the whole Christ, not just half. We embrace the whole Christ, the payment for sin and his power over it. Payment and power. We looked at payment under Galatians 3 verse 13. Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us when he was hanging on a tree. He paid the debt and he set me free from the curse. But 1 Peter 2 looks at the other side of it, the more, the further benefit, the power. He bore your sins, our sins, in his body on the tree so that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. There's not only payment, there's power. So here's the question. Do we really embrace all the gospel of Christ's death on the cross? Do we really embrace all the good news we have in Christ? All of it. The payment for our sin and the power. So those are the two sides we want to look at. The payment of the cross and the power of the cross. Christ's death on the cross is full payment for our sins. In our confession of faith, we ask, why did Christ have to suffer death? Why did he have to go all the way to death? Because God's justice and truth require it, nothing else could pay for our sins except the death of the Son of God. And that's the Bible's teaching. Christ's death is a payment for all our sins. What do we owe to God for our sins? We owe him two things. Full righteousness. And full payment for all our unrighteousness. And Jesus did both. By his obedience, he accomplished a full line of good works for us. And when we believe, that's all given to us as a free credit. He paid for it in his own life. But also in his obedience unto death, he paid the full price for our sin. What's the price of sin? Well, when you sin against the infinite God, the only price that can pay for it is an infinite price. That's why the Bible teaches the wages of sin is death. 
And that doesn't mean just the death of the body, eternal punishment of body and soul, eternal damnation, eternal curse, eternal punishment. That's the only proper payment for sin. Jesus already said that in the garden, or God said that in the garden to Adam and Eve. If you disobey me, the day you eat of the fruit of the tree, you will surely die. That implies if you trust and obey me, you will live. But if you disobey me, you will die. That's the price. The wages of sin is death. Now Satan came along and said, Surely you will not die. That was the lie. There'll be no consequence. God's a liar. But Adam and Eve discovered the moment that they disobeyed, God was telling the truth. And that's why the world has been plunged under a curse, under a death sentence. Condemnation curse, hell, and death. And when God sent his son, he sent him to stand in our place and do them all for us. Condemned, suffering, condemned under Pontius Pilate as judge. And it wasn't just Pontius Pilate, a human judge condemning Jesus Jesus said to Pilate, you would have no authority over me if it were not given to you from God. It was God pronouncing guilty verdict on his son for us. Then put under the death sentence of crucifixion, which was a sentence of curse. He stood in our curse. And on the cross, he suffered all hell. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And then finally went all the way to death. Because we deserve to die. And all that is the payment of Jesus Christ for our sin. Standing in our place. God putting on him the price of our fallenness. As Psalm 69 says, God made him pay what he did not steal. We stole from God righteousness, obedience, honor. But God sent his son to pay what we stole, to pay what he did not steal. You know the saying, Christ paid a debt he did not owe because we owed a debt we could not pay. Remember, that's the spot we were in. That's the spot we are in by nature. Who can pay such a price, eternal punishment of body and soul, and come out on the other side? Who can survive that? Nobody can. Psalm 49. No one, no one can pay the ransom price for a human life. No one on earth. And then he goes on to say, but God will redeem my soul from the grave. God will pay the ransom. And he did. He came down. And he became one of us to pay the price 
And when you believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, all that payment of Christ on your behalf is put on your account. So you're debt free. And so you're righteous. All the good works Jesus did for you, credited to your account. All the payment Jesus made for you, taken away from your account. And you're all paid up with the Lord. And he looks at you in Christ and he says, you're righteous, your sin is gone, you're guilt free, you're debt free, you owe me nothing. And you're fully righteous. You have a full line of good works. Your debt is paid. You have a full line of credit. Jesus paid that all for you. It is such incredibly good news. Payment. Payment for sin. And there's two Bible pictures I especially love. You know them both. Maybe the first one better than the second. The first one, you know, Mephibosheth. An enemy of the king. A member of the house of Saul. Hiding, living way out there in Lodavar, east of the Jordan River. And by tradition, when a new king comes, a new dynasty starts, the new king kills all the old dynasty because they're going to come up and rise up against him and try to take him over again. So you've got to get rid of your enemies. You've got to kill them. Mephibosheth deserved to die, an enemy of the king. And you remember what David does. Because of his covenant loyalty to Jonathan, also of the house of Saul. He goes all the way to Lodabar. They find him. They bring Mephibosheth, the lame man, into the household of David. David forgets. He does away with all the crimes of that household. In Mephibosheth's case. And he says, you can sit at my table and eat here and live with the king the rest of your life. And I'll pay for it all. That's what Jesus has done for us. He's paid for it all so we can dine with the king. We can live in in the royal house, be sons and daughters of God forever. And their other picture is in the book Philemon. Do you know the story of Philemon and Onesimus? Onesimus is a slave. Philemon is the master. And Onesimus has stolen money, most likely money from Philemon. And he runs away. And as he, this runaway slave, is far away from Philemon, he meets Paul. And Paul preaches the gospel to him. And Onesimus, the slave, is saved. And guess what Paul says to Onesimus? You go back. You go back to your job, to your master, Philemon. And then he sends along a letter with Onesimus to give to Philemon. And the letter says, dear Philemon, please take Onesimus back. Receive him not as a slave, but as a brother in Christ. And whatever he owes you, I'll pay for it all. Charge that to my account. I'll pay for it all. That's really a picture of the gospel. Jesus pays for all that we've stolen. 
He says to his father, charge it to my account and take these blood-bought people and receive them as your very own children, your very own family. He paid for it all. He was condemned for us, so we're no longer condemned, cursed for us, so the curse is lifted. Died for us, so we no longer have to die. Whoa, that gets us in a problem spot. If he paid for my death, that's where 42 goes. If he paid for my death, why do I still have to die? Christians, hear this. You no longer have to die. Christians do not die. When you belong to Christ, he paid for your death. Your death is done. It's destroyed. It's gone. But, but we still have to die. Yes and no. The death under the covenant of works is gone. Eternal punishment of body and soul. That death is done. Now your death as a Christian is falling asleep in Jesus. It's been radically transformed. It's still an enemy, but it's been radically transformed. The punishment is out of it, and now it's your entrance to heaven. And even your body will one day be raised up and reunited with your soul and brought into heaven on earth, and so will be with the Lord forever. So death is no longer death for the Christian. And the punishment is out of it. That even is paid for by Jesus when he died on the cross. Good news. Radically good news. But that's just half the good news. Payment. Let's go to the often forgotten or ignored part. Power. There's power in the blood. Not just to pay for sin, but to kill it. There's power in the cross, not just to pay for your curse, but to destroy your sin. We read that in 1 Peter 2. He himself bore our sins in his body on the tree, not just to pay for them, but so that we might die to sin and live to righteousness by his wounds, you have been healed. That's the healing of the cross. That healing in which you have new strength now to say no to evil desires. No, I will not do that. I will not look at that. I will not even think that. Wow, that kind of power? Yes. I will not say that. Power over the tongue. That's why the catechism asks in 43, so what further benefit? Is there anything more? Is there anything more than payment? Oh, absolutely. What further benefit do we receive from Christ's sacrifice and death on the cross? And the answer is, There's more than payment. By his power, 
Our old man, our old self is crucified, put to death and buried with him. So that, listen, the evil desires of the flesh may no longer rule us. But that instead we may offer ourselves as a sacrifice of thanksgiving to him. When you believe in Jesus, you get this power living in you that changes your life to crucify the sins that once held you in their grip, to mortify them, to kill them, to bury them so they can no longer rise up and reign over you, control you. If you say or think you're a believer, but you're living in sin, you're immersed in it, you're not repenting of it, you know it's wrong, but you still want it. You're still okay with it. And you want it more than you want to follow Jesus' commandments. If you say or think you're a believer, And you're not letting anybody speak into your life about your sins. And you're covering your sins over. Then you have to ask, am I really a believer? Have I really taken hold of Christ? If I want just half of him, I want his forgiveness, but I I still want to go on living in my sin. I just want half of you, Jesus. I want the payment part, but the power part, let's save that for a later date. No, because if you believe in Jesus, he gives you all of himself, all of his benefits. Payment, you're justified. But as Ursinus says, When your sins are paid for and God forgives you, he accepts you as his son. And when you're his son, he fills you with his spirit. You also get the spirit of Jesus, the power of Jesus living in you. The power of the cross to kill sin. And the power of the resurrection to bring new life into your life. You get power. When you believe in Jesus, you get the crucified and risen and ascended Jesus dwelling in you by the Holy Spirit. So you're no longer comfortable with sin. In fact, far more than that, you hate it. It frustrates you. Oh, you still wrestle with it. It still tries to have its way with you. It still bullies you. Sin is the big bully in the life of the Christian. But you hate it, you run away from it, you confess it, you look for help to change. Because you want to offer your life to Christ. You don't want to waste your life on sin anymore. And that's exactly what Peter is saying in 1 Peter 2 because he's talking to Christians. They're living under persecution and some think that when they get mistreated, they have a right to act out. And get sweet revenge on their persecutors. And Peter says, no. You never have an excuse to sin. Not even when somebody's hurting you for being a Christian. You never have an excuse to sin. Why not? 
Christ himself bore our sins in his body on the tree that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. That's his answer. By his wounds you have been healed. Christ's death on the cross not only pays for our sins, but heals us from our sins. Right? When we, a person has an addiction, they've destroyed their lives, their relationship with God, their relationship with people, they need two things. They need to confess and be forgiven. But they also need to be healed from their addiction. We get both. We get both. You get payment and you get power. When Jesus Christ was crucified for me, my sins were nailed to him on the tree. And that means he paid for them and that means he killed them. Paul puts it this way in Romans 6. The young people will remember this from studying Romans last year. We know that our old self was crucified with him in order that the body of sin might be brought to nothing so that we would no longer be slaves to sin. We were crucified with him. He was crucified for us. And at the same time, we were crucified with him, says Paul, so that the body of sin might be brought to nothing and we no longer be slaves to sin. So don't listen, says Paul in Romans 6 as he goes on. Don't listen to the voice of sin anymore. Don't obey its lusts when it's telling you to look at this or to say that or to do that. Because you died to sin in Christ. He killed it for you on the cross and in his death and in his resurrection. Shared with you the power of his death. The power of living a new life. So the question, do you believe? Do you believe in Jesus? Is really a two-part question. Do you believe that he paid for your sins on the cross and you're fully forgiven by God? You're righteous before God in Christ. There's nothing left for you to pay. It's all been done for you. There's no good works left for you to do to be accepted by God. Jesus did all those good works for you, paid in full. Do you believe that? But believing in Jesus has a second side. You also believe that there's power in the death of Christ to overcome that weak spot in your life, that area of sin that wants to control you. Do you believe that Jesus, right now, crucified, risen, ascended from heaven, that the power of his cross living in you has the power to give you all the strength you need to say no to sin and to say yes to righteousness? That's the way Paul puts it in Titus 2. The grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation for all people, training us to say no to ungodliness and worldly passions, and yes to self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in the present age. Every day, the old life of sin tempts us. 
It's that bully that wants to intimidate us and control our lives again. Every day we're tempted to gossip, to grumble. Every day we're tempted to be greedy, to be totally obsessed with ourselves. I could care less what that does to you. Every day we're tempted to watch things we shouldn't, to lose self-control, to get angry in a sinful way. Every day we're tempted to be unforgiving, to think evil thoughts about God, to say unkind things to our spouse, and to be impatient and harsh with them every day. Every day we're tempted to lift ourselves up above others, above others and look down on them as if we're better. I'm holier than you. Why are you having those kinds of problems? Can't believe it. Every day, we're too focused on ourselves to care much about other people's troubles and want to help them. Not once a month, not once a week, but every day and in fact, every moment. Paul says that. I find this at work, this law at work. Every time I want to do right, evil is right there with me, pulling me to do wrong. And I need this power of the cross to die to sin, to change, to grow, And do you know what else? I have it. I have it. I need to grab it. Everybody, every Christian has some area of weakness in their life. More than one perhaps, but one particular area. Sometimes we allow ourselves to become too busy to work on that spot. To look to Christ for help to die to that sin. And as we grow older, it sits there, it sits there, and every once in a while it bursts out unexpectedly, it surprises us, and then we, we, <laughs> we put it away again. That, that was bad, that looked bad, that was bad, and then we keep going, but we don't actually deal with it. And I urge you, I urge us, especially when we're younger. Grab those weak spots and murder them. That's Paul's language. Put to death the members of your body that are sinful. The areas of your life that are sinful. Put them to mortify the flesh. Because you have the power in the cross of Christ by the Holy Spirit to do that. Don't let it go and don't let it grow. I know sin remains in our life, but by the power of Jesus, it can't reign anymore. So don't let it, says Paul. Don't let it. Just one final recommendation here. I listened to Allie Beth Stuckey. I don't know if you know the name. Allie Beth Stuckey. Her podcast 
with Joshua Broom, B-R-O-O-M-E, called From Porn Star to Pastor. I highly recommend that. Listen to it. It's about an hour long, I believe. I don't remember exactly how long it was. How Jesus Christ rescued Joshua Broom from the life of a porn star. A degraded life of degrading others and degrading himself, moving from straight porn to gay porn. And finally, he was going to kill himself. The Lord Jesus found him, rescued him, forgave him, and healed him. Oh, he still struggles with sin, but he's living the new life. Was able to marry, has three children. He and his wife walking with the Lord, ministering to those with needs. Everybody's, every believer's story is like that to one degree or another. Let's rejoice in the gospel. Payment, power, and by faith, grab that. It's ours. It's ours. Amen. Let's pray. Father, we praise you for your goodness. How much there is in the Lord Jesus Christ. More than we thought possible. The good news is doubly good, doubly amazing. Forgiveness, how can it be? Power to change, how can it be? It can only be by your word and spirit, Lord Jesus. And we pray that you would work with that power in us and enable us by faith to grab the whole Christ, to embrace the whole Jesus in our lives. Grant us strength to grow, to change, to become more and more like you. This we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.